0: We're going to be looking at Jude verse 8 to 10. How many of you remember dreams when you have dreams and remember some of the things and sometimes are are bothered by dreams? You ever have a dream that really bothers you? Um, I have those all the time. I could tell you one of, my, one of my dreams that um, it reoccurs, I've had it several times. I've had it in both English and in Spanish. And in um, and, and this dream, I am up in a pulpit preaching. And, um, and I mean, there's a crowd, a crowd like I've never seen before. And I, I open up the Bible, and I am as excited as it gets. And I open up the Bible, and I get ready to preach, and I cannot preach at all. I can't even mention a few words, something. My, my mind starts stuttering. I, I, and then one by one, people start leaving. And I end up in an auditorium with nobody. And I finally can start preaching. But now nobody can listen. And I wake up. And, um, I'm, I'm all nervous and everything. And it's usually before a Sunday that that happens. And so if that happens today, I know that that dream was true. Amen. Uh-huh. And, uh, um, no, I, I hear it all the time. My kids say, Daddy, I had a dream. I had a dream. Daddy, uh, Ellie was telling us at the dinner table last night. She had a dream that, um, her and, um, and Joshua were our legitimate kids. And uh, the the other ones are uh, adopted kids, you know. They weren't ours. And um, and so uh, what do you what do you do with that? How do you respond to that? Uh, Bob had a dream this week that he shared with me that um, somebody asked my daughter Abigail, who's 13 years old, asked our daughter Abigail to marry him. All right. Let me just you know. And then he said he woke up before he heard my answer. Let, let me help you, Bob. It's very easy answer. No way. All right? She's 13 and she ain't getting married for a long, long time. Um, and so, um, but we have all these dreams. Let me tell you about one, a, a dream that I had. Man, what a dream this was. Some of the people in the church were in this dream. You ready for this one? Bob is there. And Bob is walking in heaven with an ugly woman. I mean, nasty. Now, don't get worried, because there's no marriage in heaven, so it wasn't Linda. All right? It was, it was somebody else. I mean an ugly one. I mean just nasty. And I said to St. Peter, I go, what in the world's going on? Bob read scriptures in our, in our church. Bob you know, would sing in our church. Why in the world is he walking with an ugly girl? And Peter goes, Jeremy, you don't know how carnal he was and how fleshly he was. And, and he, this is his punishment. He has to walk with this ugly girl for the rest of eternity. I'm like, wow. Then I see Jesse, he's walking with an ugly, I mean a nasty one, I mean really bad, nasty, couldn't even look at her. And I said, Peter, what in the world's going on? Jesse was an elder in our church and he really served the Lord and loved the military and everything. Well, you don't know, Jesse, he was a pretty carnal person. I mean, he was, he was this, and this is his punishment for all eternity. And then I see Stephen there, the elder Stephen. I mean, he's got his muscles and everything, and he's walking with a beauty. I mean, she is a beaut. What a beautiful girl. I said, this is crazy, Peter. First Bob walking with an ugly one, then Jesse's walking with an ugly one, but why does Stephen get to walk with a beautiful girl? He says, you see that beautiful girl? She was very carnal in her life, and this is her. (laughs) This is her punishment for all eternity. I had a dream! You guys like that movie, Tangled? I had a dream, right? You know, we like to dream, 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 dream. Even uh, Kenny Rogers, one of the songs, don't fall in love with what? A dreamer. We have our version, don't fall in love with an streamer. Yeah, it kind of uh, will mess you up. Um, but Katie failed in that area, and so here we are. But I'm, I'm, I'm thankful to the Lord that some dreams really mean nothing. Um, I wake up from that one where everyone walks out, and I say, Lord, thank you that that's not reality. What guides you? What, 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 is, what motivates you each day? What is your guide? What do you look to to make decisions? And if you look at this passage, we see a very startling phrase here. We see in verse 8 that these people, by dreaming, they allow their dreams to guide them, to be their source of authority, to be their source of revelation, to to, to, to help them to make decisions in life, and to guide other people as well. These are false teachers in this world that in the same way that we saw a couple weeks ago that like the unbelieving Israelites and the rebellious angels and the immoral people from Sodom and Gomorrah, these people by dreaming, they what they do is they allow themselves to walk into things that don't please God. Now I want to show you something before we even get into verse 8. I want you to turn in your Bible to one of the first books of the Bible, Deuteronomy. In chapter 13, I want to show you something about these dreamers that we see. Look here in Deuteronomy, chapter 13. Deuteronomy 13. It says here, if a prophet, verse 1... By the way, if you've gotten a revelation, you've gone too far. Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 1. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder. Now watch this. And the sign or the wonder comes true. Now now here's what's interesting. Because it's very easy if somebody gets up and they say something and it doesn't come true. We know they're not from God. That's automatic. But what do we do if somebody gets up and says something and it comes true? Then what do we do? And immediately sometimes what we think is, oh, if it comes true, it has to be true. Be careful. I remember a guy saying to a pastor as they were ministering, couple and two couples together, and he says, I'm starting to think about this other couple's wife, and, and I'm really starting to think about her, and I want her to be my wife, and, and this has to be true. And he says, I, 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 I can't confirm it's true, but I'll know it's true if the other wife wants me. The pastor goes, this is crazy. You don't even have to pray about this. The other wife is not your wife. You don't go after that wife. He says, but I think it's true. I know it's true. And all of a sudden, the other wife says, you know what? I feel for this guy. Yes, I want to go with him. And so she left her husband, and he left his wife, and they were together. They thought it was true. Careful. Look what it says here. It says, they do this sign or wonder, and it comes true. But watch the theological test here in verse 2. It's not bringing people closer to God. It is bringing people away from God. It says, this is what he says concerning he spoke to you in verse 2, saying, Let us go after what? Other gods whom you have not known, and let us serve them. So this sign of wonder comes true, but the message is this. Now we need to go after another god. Forget about your god. Serve another God. Live for that God. What does it say in verse 3? You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. Don't go that way, he's saying. Don't listen to him. Why? Because God has allowed this for some. Look at this in verse 3. God allows these people. Why? Because the Lord your God is testing you to find out if you love the Lord your God. With all your heart and with all your soul. He goes after the desires and the feelings and the wants in our life. So here's the question. When your feelings and your desires and, and the things around you say something is true, but the Bible says it is not true and you shouldn't go after it, who do you follow? Who do you go after? Notice what it says here in verse 4. You shall follow the Lord your God. And fear him. And you shall keep his commandments. And you shall listen to his voice. And you shall serve him. And I love this last part in verse 4. And cling to him. When, when a dream rattles you. When, when your feelings rattle you. When you think something is true. Or someone says something that may rattle you. Cling to God. Cling to him. Listen to him. Because look what happens in verse five. That prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be what? Put to death because he has counseled rebellion against the Lord your God and brought you, for, that brought you from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery. Look what he's saying. To seduce you from the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. So you shall purge the evil from among you. These dreamers God allows for some reason. Let's go to Jude now and look at this. For some reason, God allows them. I wish he would just wipe them off the earth, but they're there. They're they're on YouTube. They're coming after our kids. In fact, I I was blown away by the most Googled man in the world. Are you ready for this? The most Googled man in the world is Andrew Tate. And you know who his target audience is? Young white males. And let me tell you something, Andrew Tate says some really good things. I can't deny that. But boy, is he an evil man. Kicked off a show for trying to, for abusing a woman with a belt. Comes out and says that he's both a Muslim and a Christian. By the way, you can't be both. And going after young white males and trying to tell them, focus on yourself. Go to the gym, even if you don't feel like it. Get a nice body. Don't worry about women. You don't need them. Focus on these things. Wow. The most googled man in the world. Why doesn't God just wipe him out? God allows him. And and God is testing to see, do we really love him? Or do we love the advice of dreamers? We're going to see more about him in a moment. Notice what it says here in verse eight. Yet in the same way these men, by dreaming, or we could put the word in it, by relying on their dreams. The interesting word dream there is not just that they're sleeping dreaming, is that they're having these visions, these prophetic visions. They're, 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 they're going to something outside the Bible for their source of authority. They are not being guided by the scriptures or guided by God. They have their own source of authority. That's where we have to be careful. They're coming at you with their own wisdom, their own authority, and not the authority of the Bible and of God. Now notice this here. By their dreaming, what do they do? We see here in the verse they do three things. By their dreaming, in verse 8, we see that they defile the flesh. They live in immorality. They live in sexual immorality. They go outside the Bible and they say the Bible is not their source of authority. God is not their source of authority. And they justify their immoral actions by how they feel and what they think is right. Welcome to the world that we live in. They'll tell you, don't come with me with the Bible. This is how I feel and this is how I was born and this is how I will live. And they'll even use this word. This is how God made me. Don't use God to justify immorality. They use God to justify their immorality. They said, This is dream. This is what God has told me. This is the vision by God. They're going outside the source of relative to their own and they defile the flesh. Not only that, look at verse 8. They're very, they're not only do they defile, but they're defiant. They reject authority. The word authority there is curiosity. It's from the word curiosity, which means Lord. They reject the Lordship of Jesus Christ. These are the ones that say, yeah, God's my Savior, but I'm going to live like I want to live. We can't do that. He is our Savior, and He is our what? Our Lord. He is the one that calls the shots. We can't say, I am going to live my life the way I am. I I have to let the Lord call the shots. And they reject authority. They will not submit to the lordship of God. And Let me just tell you this. They reject the lordship of Christ. They're going to reject your authority as well. But notice not only this in verse 8. They're defiant, they're defiled, and they're disrespectful. Look at this. They revile angelic majesties. That's an interesting phrase because it's really, it's talking about heavenly glories or celestial glories. And what it's saying there in this verse is they they belittle the, the, the powers of the angels and what the angels can do. And now some people say, are they talking about good angels or bad angels here? Because... The good angels are the guardians and the givers of the law. So are they just belittling what they do and say, forget about the law, we don't need the law? Or are they talking about the demonic influences that are out there and they belittle Satan's power and the demon's power and think on their own authority they can beat these powers? Well, think about that for a moment. I really believe the context is leaning towards those demonic powers. That people think that they can just yell at Satan and that's all they need to do. Careful with that. Because we get an example in verse 9 of somebody who respected the angels. Look at this here in verse 9. But Michael, the archangel... Now, interesting, Michael the archangel is mentioned three times in Daniel and it's mentioned one other time in Revelation. And really, he's the, uh, the chief angel, the, the, the prince angel there. He's not Jesus Christ. Be careful with that because some religions have come up to you and say, Michael the archangel was Jesus Christ. He is not Jesus Christ. There's only one Jesus and it's not Michael. But Michael has an interesting position as the chief angel. And somewhere, look at verse 9. It says he disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses. Now, you're not going to find that anywhere in the Bible, which is interesting Um we do know in the Bible, in Deuteronomy chapter 34, that Moses died. Well, just before he died, God allowed him to see the promised land. And then Moses died, and the Lord himself buried Moses. And it says that no one knows where the body of Moses is. We do know from extra-biblical stories out there, one of them, the, the assumption of Moses, that the, Michael the archangel and the devil got into a dispute over the body of Moses. Now, why would they get into a dispute over the body of Moses? Why would the devil want the body of Moses? You ever think about that? But I want you to think about this. Here's one of the reasons why. One, people say because Moses was a murderer, so the devil thought, well, I can own the body of Moses because he was a murderer. But there's another reason. People believe that the devil wanted to set up the very body of Moses out there so that the Israelites would worship the body of Moses and lead the Israelites away. It is amazing how many people idolize statues and idolize different things instead of God. I, I tell you, I, I could be guilty of that as well. We went to Philadelphia. Why do you go to Philadelphia? You don't go to see the Liberty Bell. You don't go to see all these beautiful things there. You go to see the body of Rocky. Amen? Amen? <laughs> I told Katie, take me to Rocky. I want to see him up there. I want to see the statue. I love Rocky. I grew up with Rocky. I look, now. I don't look like Rocky. But I, I love Rocky. Everything about Rocky. Rocky, Rocky, Rocky. People idolize. Can you imagine if there was a statue of Moses out, what they would have done? Or the body of, the literal body of Moses, what they would have done? And so the devil wanted it. Now, how did, how did one of the supreme angels handle the devil a lot different than we try to. Look what it says right here in this verse. But Michael the archangel, when he disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses, notice this next phrase here, did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment. He did not dare. That word dare means he did not overstep his bounds. He did not leave his position. He did not dare dare take on the devil by his own authority. And yet, people do that. And it is amazing how they handle him. I was, I was telling a story in the first service that a pastor in Haiti showed up to church dressed in army gear. And he got before the congregation and he said, today we're going to do battle with the devil. And we are going to cast out demons. And he started calling people up and casting out demons here and casting out a demon here. And we're going to beat the devil today. Is that how you handle the devil? Watch out. You may end up running and being naked like the people we see in Acts. Who are you? We never fight the devil in our own authority. We go before the devil by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we love the Lord more than we love our very lives. That's how we overcome him. He did not dare. He did not risk. He did not take the risk. He did not overstep his proper boundaries. He understood that he's an angel, but there's only one creator. He understood that he's a minister, but there's only one master. There is no arrogance, no pride, no thinking that they're better than other people. He, he made sure. Look at this in the, with the passage, what he does here. He said, the Lord, what? Rebuke you. He left the matter in the Lord's hands. And that's exactly what we need to do. This is a quote out of Zechariah chapter 3 verse 2 that talks about Joshua. Joshua was dressed up in in dirty garments. But the Lord, when he battled Satan, he said this. "The The Lord will take care of Joshua. The Lord will take care of the situation. Not these guys. They belittle. What's the demon? What, what's, what's the devil? We'll take care of that. We got the authority over him. We'll, we'll, we'll handle these situations. We, nobody's going to tell us with what, what arrogance, what pride. So, look what the passage says. Verse 10. What do we know about these people? Don't miss this. These men revile the things which they do not understand. They don't know what they're doing. They don't understand God. They don't understand the angelic powers out there. They they don't don't understand the Bible. They don't have the right source of authority. They don't understand these things. They don't know these things. They say they know them. They'll tell you they know them. They come before you like they're very knowledgeable. They don't know what they're doing. They're going after them. But here's what they do know, verse 10. The things which they do know, they know by what? Instinct. Now, I may get in trouble here, because I'm going to pick on your pet. How many have pets? Let's be honest. How many have cute pets? Let's be honest. Everyone thinks they have the cute. Some of them are very ugly. But anyway, uh, <laughs> Pastor, I got this really cute pet, and they show me a picture. I'm like, holy cow. Uh, what are you going to say to them? I mean, Some of them. Some are really cute. We got a cute little four. We got we've gotten out of control. We got four dogs. You don't have four dogs, all right? Now there's a story behind the four dogs. While we have two of them, we want to breed because one of them ate our furniture, and we want our furniture back, all right? So we need some puppies to sell to get the money to buy the furniture back. That's just that's just a side note, right? One of them marks everything. One of them eats poop drives me nuts one of them is so cute jumps up on the bed gives you a kiss and then pees on the bed (laughs) that's our story of the Estrema family with the dogs you can't reason with them you can't sit them down and say okay puppy let me just tell you when you jump up on my bed please don't pee on my bed you can't reason. You can't, you can't really tell them. They live by what? Instinct. You show them a treat. Woo! They start going nuts. You'll get them in the house. You try to get them in the house. Hey, come out. Come out. Come out, baby. Come. Nothing. Bing, bing, bing. We shake the treats. Woo! There they come. Instinct. They live by nature. They know nature. Here's why they're so appealing. We all have the human nature. So when these people talk it makes sense, because we have that side of us as well, what they don't have is the Holy Spirit. What they don't have is a moral compass. So look what he calls them here. You cannot get any worse than it. He calls them they, look at this. He says, they, what they know is they know by instinct, they know like unreasoning what? animals. Do you know why people like Andrew Tate are, are, are so appealing to people? Because he says things and, and young men see that and like, that makes sense. Work on my body, don't worry about women. I mean, that makes sense. I need to go to the gym, I can care less how I feel. I gotta do this stuff. I gotta, it makes sense, it appeals to them. But here's what the problem is. These people you can't reason with. They are unreasoning what? Animals. They have no moral compass. We try to reason with them, but they lack that reasoning capacity because they're missing the very Holy Spirit of God. And they're irrational. And as much as we try to talk sense to them, what we need to talk to them is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because unless they have the Holy Spirit in them, they will never understand the scriptures. And yet, we start to get into battles with these people. And we try to reason with them. No, we don't reason with them. We share Christ with them. There's a guy who's been around Colorado Springs, I don't know how long. He called me up eight years ago when I first got here. The phone rang, and he says, are you the pastor? I said, yeah, I'm the pastor. He says, I got a few questions about the Bible. Well, I love those kind of calls. Let's let's talk about the Bible. He goes, can you turn to John 17? So I turned to John 17. I said, so what's your question? And he starts yelling at me. You see, John 17 three says this, and, blah, 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 and why do you teach this? And you're a false teacher. I, I, I go, sir, and he started. I started to put things together. I said, are you a Jehovah Witness? He goes, yeah, I'm a Jehovah Witness. And, I'm and he's screaming at me. I couldn't reason with him. I tried to to talk to this I tried to explain the scripture the Bible and all this he must have forgot eight years later he calls me this week during donut time nobody messes with me during donut time I had to get up from the table and leave my donut on the table I don't like to leave my donut on the table Bob is there alright if it's a chocolate donut, it will disappear. <laughs> ask him later. Don't mess with Bob with chocolate stuff. I get up. It's no caller ID. This guy's slick. Calls my cell phone. Doesn't even call the church. Got my cell phone. He says, uh, "Sir, uh, you know how are you?" And so I said, "Yeah, you know." And, and um, uh, he goes, "Are you the pastor here?" I said, "Yeah, I'm the pastor here." He goes, "I got a few questions about the Bible." All of a sudden, bing, bing, bing I start to think, I, and I, I know this guy. I said to him, and he goes, can you turn to John 17, 3? Oh, I know him. I said to him, "Um, are you the Jehovah Witness that calls people and argues with them and yells at them? Silence on the phone. I got him. Can't reason with them, But yet we think for some reason that we can battle them and win them. We share Christ with them. They need Christ. They're like unreasoning, what? Irrational animals. I can't talk to our puppy and say, please, the next time you get on the bed, don't pee. Will you do me a favor? Please don't do that. You know why? Because she's done it a couple of times. And you know what she does? On my favorite blanket too. (laughs) Which means I have to sleep that night without that blanket. It's not fun. I can't reason with them. You can't reason. So stop it. But what you do need to do is be mentally prepared with the scriptures to share the gospel with them. And you know what else we need to be? Spiritually prepared to go after them with a heart that loves them. You say, why do we have to have a heart that loves these people? Because look what it says here in verse 10. This is very serious. It says that they don't, they, they they see that they revile the things they don't understand. The things which they do know by instinct they talk about like unreasoning animals. By these things they are what? Destroyed. They are headed to the very pit of hell. Because they're so convinced in something outside of the Bible. This is serious. So, so we go before them, not ripping them and opening up the Bible and say, Oh, yeah, you want to fight with me? Jehovah, I'll fight with you. Eat it. We go before him with a heart and says, I think I know who this is. This is the guy that calls pastors and yells at them and fights with them. Oh, no, you're not going to do that here. You know what you need? You need to know the real Jesus. Like the Bible says, not what my dreams say, not what my feelings say, but what the Bible says he is. You need to be saved. You need to come to Christ. You need to submit to not not only that he's your savior, but he's your Lord. We come before him with a heart because here's where we missed it. We don't realize that the very thing that they're so convinced about is the very thing that's sending them to hell. And sometimes we we come before Him and we're mentally uh, prepared, but we're not spiritually prepared. Sometimes we're spiritually prepared, but we're not mentally prepared. We need to be both. We need to come before Him with a heart, out of love. But before we can ever do that, we need to evaluate our own lives and ask us, What is guiding us? How many times have you heard somebody come up to you and say, The Lord has told me to do this, and it has nothing to do with what the Bible says. We need to be people that are guided by the Lord and His Word. And when we live that out, people will understand we're not dreamers. We're people who follow the Scriptures. We're people who let God call the shots. We're people who are led by the very Holy Spirit. We're not living by instinct. We're living by what the Word of God says. And let me just tell you, we're being tested all the time. People are watching things and hearing people and saying, wow, that makes so much sense. And they're following after things. And God's up there in heaven saying, I am testing you to see who you really love. Do you love yourself more than me? Do you love that false teacher more than me? Or do you love my word? Well, if you love my word, you cling to me. So next time you have a dream, here's what I want you to do. Wake up, open up your Bible, and say, God, I don't know what that dream was about, but I'm going to follow your word today. Whatever you have for me. Isn't that a great way to live? And then if you have a dream and you want to share it, share it with Bob, will you please? uh... Let him know about your dream and share it during donut time so I can eat his donut. All right, here we go. Let's pray. Our Father, we we come before you and Lord, wow. I know I tell a few jokes out here and say things, but Lord, this is so serious. Because all the time we are bombarded by things that are outside of your word. Testing us to see what we really love. And who will be our guide. And so Lord, I pray that we wouldn't be dreamers of dreams. And just relying on things outside of what your word says. That we would carefully study your word. Know what it says. And be mentally prepared when these things come at us, to know what your word says. Lord, the very things that they're defending are the very things that are going to destroy them. I don't want to see anyone go to hell. And I pray that that's our heart. That we don't just talk about them and condemn them and run away from them. But we have a heart to engage them in a way that brings honor and glory to you. A heart that is mentally prepared and a heart that is spiritually prepared. Because what these people don't care about is the very thing you care about, and that's souls. So give us a heart for that. Lord, thank you so much that we don't have to rely on those things for guidance that we have your very word. I pray that we would all be committed to it. I pray for those that are just reading it on Sunday, that today would be the day they would say, you know what, I want to read it every day. I want to understand more of the Bible each day of my life. I want the scriptures to guide me. If that's the prayer of your heart this morning, I pray you just pray that to God. Say, Lord, I'm letting other things guide me. I need you. I want to cling to you. I want to listen to your voice. Lord, we come before you and we say that with open hearts. Forgive us for all those times that we've listened to those voices outside of your word. Yes. For those feelings that tell us we're no good, no unworthy, and all these things that our feelings tell us and we listen to them. Yes. Our friends say things about us and One word, one criticism when we're in bed, worried and depressed, we listen to that. Help us to cling to your word, to cling to you. Thank you so much for this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and guidance. We praise you and leave all this in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. Please stand with us.